Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. You are listening to show number 148 and I'm racking my brains and I can't think of any reason why that number is special. But uh, we have all three of us here uh, for a show for you this week. Uh, delightful, uh, delightful, delighted to talk to you all. Uh, first off, uh, Rach, how are you doing? Hi, Aid. Um, I'm good. I'm really quite shattered. <laughs> I'm quite tired today. I was up until 4am, which is a, a, a number that should not be the case it was it was for like lovely things i was um having a few easter drinks with some family and friends (laughs) um but today was less of a lovely day because of it (laughs) and the the, um the hangover that came with it which i cannot deal with anymore so uh feeling quite sleepy and uh i'm ever so sorry i'm not really a sparkling sunbeam today um but i shall try my best and it's really nice to be here with you both (laughs) <laughs> okay well there we go all right um because i got home late late last night from traveling as well so i'm also mm-hmm. not not uh, <laughs> on top form so hopefully uh our third sunbeam will carry us both through the show how you doing buddy i'm great oh my god (laughs) i'm i'm fantastic the sun's shining everything is good i have got a you know you said you want to take for one four eight uh if you add those numbers together the one the four and the eight you get 13 which is perfect because on the 13th of may it's my birthday so start sending in those presents now people you've got two weeks to go okay excellent so we shall name this show tenuous links then yes absolutely (laughs) hey listen i'll take it <laughs> Your birthday seems to come around quite frequently. It does, so, quite a lot more often annually. than anybody else's. Yeah, definitely does seem to. Well, I think it's because you get such lovely like gifts in the mailbag. You know, you're always yeah, getting. Like, that's what, I think it's because I make a big drama about it every time. I like to announce it well in advance so to mm-hmm. give people time to start, you know, buying their bunting if they need to, so they can properly celebrate their own. Because everybody should be having street parties on my birthday. Um, I think it'd be fun. Mm. Why not? Oh. Well, the uh, thing I about saw... Secret Santa is that it's a two-way thing, so you're there's not you're not just going to get a whole load of secret gifts, you know that, don't you? Uh, oh, I saw you eating cake just before we started the um, uh, the show, though, as well. So, um, is that early birthday cake? That was Easter cake. That was Simnel oh. cake, and it had many much marzipan on it, which um, was mm-hmm. delicious. And I hardly spilled any of my cyanotype chemicals on it, oh, so that God. was good. I think you do that you literally <laughs> just break me out in a cold sweat, don't you? I, I yes. look at these posts and go, oh, my God. Please don't do that at home, listeners. Chemicals and food do not mix. Just so tasty. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right let's let's so let's let's move on because we'll get ourselves into trouble if we talk about stuff like that for too long i am sure um uh so we don't have any guests this week uh so it is just the three of us everybody mm-hmm. and uh that gives us a chance to catch up uh we've all been out doing stuff um even even me <laughs> Um, and there's plenty to catch up on so we are going to have what you've been up to kind of a show and I think we probably because we've been up to bunches of different stuff rather than put one person on the spot to talk for the next 45 minutes we'll have to take it in turns I think Um, and uh, but I'm going to give I'm going to give what in golf they call the honour to uh, Graham because Graham has a new toy we should be celebrating yeah um i've been a very lucky one the thing is it's been so much fun i've been doing this week but on saturday um 
uh, and so it's a bank holiday weekend. So last week I got a notification from Intrepid Camera saying, oh, your camera will be with you soon. I went, oh, no, it's bank holiday weekend. This might not turn up until next week. But it turned up on Saturday. Um, my 4x5 with its lovely green bellows. Uh, so it's been named the Green Meanie. Um, <laughs> and even better than the camera turning up. This was a, like a perfect confluence of events um, is that I had off an actual proper day off yesterday so i could take it out and play with it um so i went to visit my mum and my nan and took the camera there with um four film holders loaded up with sheets and made them (laughs) sit in the garden and have their pictures taken um so it's just great to have an excuse to get and play with it and uh yeah i'm really pleased with it obviously you know i've only been using it for a day um so we're still very much in the first impression stage but the first impressions are very good. Um, it's more sturdily made than I was expecting it to be. Um, it has a really nice feeling of solidity and, and all of the movements um, just have a, a good... You, know, you feel like, oh, I'm going to be able to take this out and use this and it's not going to fall apart or not quite line up properly um, because you can rotate the back to go from landscape to portrait. That works really nicely. And because... Um, this is one of the new Mark IV models, the ones that they've just just brought out. So it's got the um, I, there's a proper name for, but this, you you wind a screw at the back to adjust the focus. You twist the screw and it kind of pushes, moves the bellows backwards and forwards, so you can focus very precisely with that. That feels great. It's got um, when you open up and you screw in the front um, panel board. What are they called, Rachel? Standard. Front stand, thank you. When or you the screw, lens board. yeah. Uh, no, the front standard. You're right because okay. you the front you un when it's all folded down, the front standard is detached. So then you open up and fold in the front standard, and you've got uh, a choice of four different holes that you can put it in along the travelling rail bit, so that. I guess if you know you're going to be shooting a lot of things where you want to be very wide, you can have it have the um, lens board much closer to the back so you know all that focusing detail is there but if you know you're going to be mostly shooting things that are further away you can position it mm-hmm. further so you don't have to screw and unscrew this thing forever and ever and ever so that's mm-hmm. really smart um which lens have you got with it graham i have got that's a good question hang on one second because i know i know you had some difficulty or it, it took a little while and a, quite a bit of research and things to try and find the lens um uh, in the first place so yeah I was wondering how you finally decided on this one and where it come from and how you found it so far yeah the lens was definitely one of the hardest things um mm-hmm. because they <laughs> like you talk to people who've been shooting large for and go oh it's fine you can just get this or do this it's like actually there's so many things that you need to understand about what the copal sizes you know what lens board you need for it and mm. what the focusing and all this stuff is and I, I did find it all a bit baffling um but in the end i have got a 150 millimeter what is it a uh schneider krizhnach uh simar s um Ooh. i think it's it's a fairly kind of a bog standard 50 mil kind of lens mm-hmm. um it's a f5.6 so that's great because it means that it's quite nice and bright for focusing mm. and, that, and that's nothing i'd say about the camera the focusing screen on it is really nice and bright so when i've got it open up and i'm focusing it's very easy especially if somebody's short-sighted to get critical focus um and i got the lens from ebay um 
and it was I, I got it very recently and I've been looking at lots and missing lots and I saw this one and there weren't many bids on it and I looked at the pictures and it's because I could clearly see in the pictures that it was fungused up to the eyeballs mm. um I thought well maybe if it's that obvious it'll be quite easy to get off and especially because with large format lenses it's fairly easy to get to most of the elements. <laughs> At least that's what I told myself. <laughs> so, um, so, this lens and got it. I think I paid uh, about a hundred pounds for it, there or thereabouts. Um, but yeah, well, you I got felt it, it was worth a gamble to see if you could get. I felt I I, it definitely felt like a gamble I I did a similar kind of thing many years ago with a saxophone where I'd been looking for ages failing to get one saw one that looked a bit dodgy that was about 100 pounds and went oh I'm just gonna gamble on it and then it turns out that was a terrible thing and I now essentially have a saxophone shaped space filler that will never be anything else so um, I was a little bit concerned that I might have made a big mistake you're a gardener you could plant it Surely. Maybe I will, yeah. I'll probably... okay, grow daffodils out the front. Right. How I've heard worse ideas. <laughs> Most expensive um, flower pot. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I was a bit concerned. And, and when it turned up, as the pictures had indicated, it was pretty full of fungus. But um, I ordered a lens wrench. I spoke to Lyndon at mm-hmm. um, Lyndonium Cameras and said, look, what would you recommend for getting into this? And he suggested a particular make of lens wrench. I could get on. I think I got that from eBay as well. Got that ordered and uh, managed to get in without completely scratching all the lenses. And the elements all cleaned up pretty nicely. And there's still okay. some scuff marks on it, but mm. for, for what it is, for the price I pay for it, I'm like more than happy for it. And the shutter speeds are all good and snappy mm. on it. And yeah, it all seems fine. You know, it's not going to win any prizes the most amazing lenses ever but it all seems absolutely fine but the important thing is the photos isn't it right and i've seen some of the photos that you've taken with it and they're brilliant yeah yeah they seems to behave just like nicely and yeah absolutely um so yeah that that, really pleased with that lens um it seems great i i've got um when alex was down he helped me wrestle the lens off ronald um uh, which was an unbelievable mission getting that lens unscrewed from the <laughs> it took the two of us um well over an hour we but were then how long like... had it been on that lens board do you think oh Roland? i i years Ronald, and years sorry. and years um uh yeah i mean yeah <laughs> alex was getting a bit concerned because i just started literally spraying wd-40 around oh, the place he's like i'm not sure you should have wd-40 around the lens <laughs> i don't care this lens is coming up we had to get we had rubber gloves on to try and give us enough grip to twist it but anyway we got there in the end so so i have now got that lens as well but that's that's a whopping great big thing so i'm not even sure it'll fit on any lens board for this size camera but we'll find out um but yeah, it was fun to take it out and shoot with it. And the nice thing about shooting 4x5 is that you can develop them straight away because it's just individual pictures. So when I got back yesterday, I was um, straight straight in the dark. Yeah, like, let's do this. Um, but yeah, the camera um, is really, it's really lightweight. Uh, again, compared to Ronald, it's not hard competition to win. Um but yeah, it's it's good. And since I think since seeing it at the photography show, and also since picking up and playing with Steve's Chroma, um, I've just been really desperate to, to get into doing this. Um, 
And yeah, uh, I think the I had a brief play with Alex's um, Mark III Intrepid camera when he came up to the photography show, and that seemed really nice. Um, but I do think that the changes that they've made with this model uh, make it a sort of a significant improvement over the Mark III, and um, hopefully it will inspire me to get out and do quite a lot more shooting with it. But my family was very good and very patient, and um, and I managed to rattle through my film far quicker than I was this. just going to say that. It's ironic, isn't it, that how much time it takes you to get through like a roll of 24 frames or 36 frames and then with your large format camera you were just blasting through it by the sounds of things yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably 15 minutes I'd shot through all of the film I had oh my with God. Wow. that was going yeah. to be one of my questions actually which is mm. like how long you know how what's the process of taking a shot and and how long does it take because it's it's not the most spontaneous art of photography is it but no, no, you're right. But I suppose I was trying to be quick because, you know, it's family and I didn't want to keep them hanging around forever. Um, and it was hot out there. But um, it wasn't too bad. I, I I got myself into position where I wanted them to come to. So I was kind of there ready. Um, and the did camera is... on tripod ready? Yeah, and... I did have it on the tripod. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, I reckon, I reckon you could handhold this camera. <laughs> I reckon that's Yeah, I, maybe a pistol grip or something like that. <laughs> I reckon. Um, I might look into that. Um, so if you get, get, have you got the grip for your Bronica? You could sort of you know, screw that onto the side of it oh, or something. Like that. Hack something together. I have that. got. Yeah. yeah, I have because I've got a spare grip for the Bronica. I've got like a, an old, slightly knackered, windy on grip. That's a good idea, Aid. Because they're, they're good mm-hmm. grips. There, I, like, I mean, mine works. I use mine on my Bronica, but it it's um, it works well. It's a good good. Good grip that is. Oh, does it screw into the tripod mount? It has a quarter twenty on the underside of it, I think. Mm. Hang on a minute, if you if you don't mind me like moving boxes around and stuff like that on the audio, I can check for you right now because it's in Extreme a box stuff. right here beside me. I'm pretty sure the 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 grip has a. Here it is. There it is. Uh, yes. Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. The whole, the grip that comes off has a quarter 20 thread in the bottom of it. There you go. That might be Fantastic. the thing. So, yeah, I mean, I reckon if you did that and maybe if, if you sort of put markings on, you know, something on the um, metal base. So you pick the hole when, okay, if I'm going to be shooting a handhold, this is the hole I'm going to use, put the front standard into and then put, distance markings on that so you've kind of got a rough and ready guide of okay well this is how far away this is so you don't have to use the um focus through the back screen go out and do some street photography with it how hard it'd be like a speed graphic wouldn't it all the murders in oxfordshire there must be loads the, of all of those like countryside murder stories there must be loads of murders in your area oh god yeah i mean with morse and lewis and all that lot we're swimming in corpses around here it's uh um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, and I mean, like I said, and it, I just, I, I found it, um, the, I found it very easy to, like, when you're behind it, because most of the adjustment really is just on the front standard, um, and there's just a couple of knobs to, to and it, it just all felt very easy and intuitive to work with, um, and uh, it, admittedly, you know, I wasn't looking for 
trying to get any amazing precision in what I was doing. And so if I was trying to do landscape stuff or architecture stuff where more thought was needed, it would have been a bit slower. But uh, I was able to blast through things pretty quickly. And I didn't I didn't mess up any of my pictures uh, in terms of like, oh, I left wow. the... Um, so that's quite good going. I mean, just Very by good. any stretch. Just to get, yeah. get through eight pictures on any format and not screw up at least half of them is pretty so, good going. So, so what yeah. were you sh- what were you shooting on? Like as in um what film were you using and how did you develop it? Did you do tray development? Did you use the mod um um holder that goes inside like the pattern tank, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um I was shooting FOMA FOMA pound one hundred because mm-hmm. That is some um, cheap film. Yeah, well, good value. It's nice. Yeah, exactly. We're starting. Yeah. Oh, First exactly. time you're using it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I bought it at the photography show. Hmm. Um, that first year we were there, I think, aid maybe. Or I think it was. Year? I do remember you buying because uh, uh, you at the time you hadn't long had Ronald, if I remember rightly, and you, yeah. you'd, you'd done your first few shots with just some photo paper. And then you were like, oh, I found this, I found it, you've got to buy some film, got to buy some film. And I never used it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now it. you have. I, and now I have. So, yeah, so I, I bought that. And I think it was like 30-something quid for 100 sheets. So that's so cheap. The cost per like shot that. is so Dang. cheap. Yeah. Um, and then developing it, I, I have what I have for my 4x5 is um, this Patterson Orbital, Orbital Developing Tank, which is – I think they made to develop color prints. Oh. So it's flat um, and you can put in four, you can lie them face down in this thing. It needs a, a needed a bit of adjustment to make it suitable for this. And it still needs a little bit more because um, the film, otherwise it lies super flat and it can on the base and it doesn't work. The, uh, developer doesn't always move around properly, but it works really easily. And it's so, I mean, so easy to load and all of that stuff so that works really well because it's just like using any other patterson daylight tank then you, you just load it up in the dark um uh put the lid on and then just off you go i don't think i could i know you do trade developing with your stuff don't you rach yes i have yeah the um uh like i mentioned like the mod and, and things that you can you can buy the basically it's like a holder isn't it that you can load mm. up sheet film into but utilize an existing um dark room tank that you've got so um at some point i would really like to get one of those but um they're they're a little bit of an investment you know they're um uh, a bit a bit outside of the price range that i've got at the moment so in terms of quickly and simply and for good value um, and cheaply um i do trade development um but obviously the difficulty with that is it means that you are you are stuck in the dark room whilst you're developing it you're basically using your trays as develop stop and fix um in in the dark room so you can't leave and you can't do it as like a day out in the daylight as you would with presumably what you're talking about using Graham. Yeah, so are you just doing one at a time when you do that, or do you have like a pile that you? I tend to do. do, Yeah, I tend to do like three or four at a time. Um, It's I don't I don't like to have like a huge amount in the tray, but as long as you're um, doing it methodically and gently, you know, there's no reason why you can't do that. You just have to be a little bit careful because obviously when you um, put the sheet back in, you don't want to scratch the ones underneath. Yeah, so uh, it's just about 
kind of uh, taking your time with it um sort of like you, you kind of just have to it's just a bit of practice really um and just being careful it's not it's just not like a slapdash kind of thing um I'm because out. obviously you're um <laughs> <laughs> uh it's it's a bit more um uh you know i don't know what the word is but like i suppose sensitive for want of a better word than perhaps if you shoot with paper negatives you know obviously yeah. you're just developing paper um because obviously you're using film inst- if you're using film instead um but yeah so um either either option obviously works totally totally fine um but it just depends on what's most convenient or uh works best with the equipment you've got really so when, you, when you're doing that how long are you in total darkness for then, Rach, when you're doing that? Cause I mean, you must be in there for sort of a good 15 minutes yeah, in just the pitch probably. black. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> right. I don't mind Get being in the dark. Yeah, yeah, true. Although the problem is that after the first five minutes, that's when you start seeing where the light's coming in and you start getting that's paranoid. That's true, that's true, definitely. <laughs> um, it's um, actually one of the things I usually do if I am if I am worried about that, you know, perhaps if it's um, a dark room that I've set up as a temporary thing in a space rather than my own one that I know is light tight, then um, uh, I would usually do some tests using paper first and as like a paper neg and mm. and process those first because obviously your reaction, um, you know, time on those is, is much lower. Your ISO is a lot lower. So um, uh, like you say, you go, oh, okay, there's a little bit of light creeping in. I can, I can see that and you know that it's not going to um be you know it's not like you're ruining it ruining expensive sheets of film um then you can uh you know use it as a sort of little test run sort of thing yeah yeah and because i know some people um use the taco method don't they where they just fold yeah so the... i don't know how that works really i've not really done that have you tried that you sort of I've... fold them like a taco right and slot them in yeah yeah I've I I don't think I've ever seen anybody who's done it for long without moving on to some other method. I don't think it's a <laughs> okay. terribly um, successful. I think Eric was I think maybe it was Eric I was talking to who had a go at doing it like that for a bit. But um, uh, yeah, I think the mod there's a few because there's the mod fifty four. There's mm-hmm. the um, the Stearman press mm-hmm. uh, tanks, which I think you can still get those, can't you as well? But I know they're yes. quite expensive. Yeah. Um, but at least with those, you don't need something else. With the mod fifty fours, you also need to have a is it Dark a triple tank. reel? I think yeah. triple reel, yeah. So it's like yeah. a larger one, obviously, so you've got enough size for it. And obviously, in terms of the chemical uh, volumes that you're using as well, um, I don't know what your um, machine that you've been using for developing is like in terms yeah. of how much chemical yeah. it takes. Um, I, I don't know what the ideal is yet. I mean, I, I've probably yeah. been using more than I should have been. Um, but it's I, I only about, mm. it's, but it's, even so, it's probably still about 500 mil. Mm. Um but um, also, I'm using HC110, <laughs> which, you know, to, to, that was 13 milliliters of uh, chemical for that much. So it was like, uh, and that was for, no, actually, that was for, so it's like, I'm, my developer is going to go bad, but it's long before <laughs> I've used a quarter of that bottle. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter. Um, that's not an issue. That's um, a quick question about the FOMA um, hmm. that you shot on. Um, because the uh, medium format FOMA, uh, I I do a pre-wash now um, because it helps get rid of the um, the original layer, you know. Um, yeah, the, first the dyes, all, yeah. Yeah, the dye, which kind of like comes out of greeny blue and what have you. Is, is, is the sheet FOMA like that as well? Does that also oh, have that same Oh, yeah. Printing? It's okay. so blue. Mm. I, so I did a 
pre-wash with it tip that out that was yeah. bright blue you should see this aid it looks so cool um Gatorade. <laughs> i think i think i saw a, a, a picture of some something weird color like that actually recently yeah yeah um that was probably i, I so i shared a picture so that was after i'd done the pre-wash to get mm-hmm. rid of that stuff then I developed it, and, that, and then the developer, when it came out, was also bright blue. Like this is great. Um, it doesn't do any harm to anything. It's still working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that stuff does have some really, really strong, and it's unusual to see that stronger dyes in um, mm. black and white films. I think that's certainly the the most notable ones mm. I've seen in black and white. Because normally I don't bother pre-washing yeah. black that's and white. That's good to know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, good to know, because I wasn't sure about, you know, the foam of whether it was just on the medium format or if the sheet was like that as well. Because um, in terms of film, um, I've tended to use like um, FP4 and Delta um, and what have you. So that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, the only thing I, is that um, there aren't times for foam pan in a few of the in like it not for everything in hc110 but i went to um is it filmdev.org i think it is massive dev chart no no not no i think it's film dev um let me just check um which i'm sure everybody listening will already be familiar with this um let me just check that yeah filmdev.org which is a fantastic resource because it's again just people not only showing their recipes on there um so you can kind of type in okay i've got this film and this developer and then anybody who's tried this has their developing times on there and there's usually pictures as well so you can kind of see how the results have turned out um it's hugely useful uh and then i use that in association with the um film developing app that i've got which i think that is um linked with the massive dev chart um and that's an incredibly useful app because you can Mm -hmm. that's also got all the uh it's got a tool on there for working out how much of each thing you need so you can you put in okay i'm using a disk dilution your one to 63 which is what i was using um my math is not great so you can go okay well i want this much chemical at the end and then it just says well you need this much of this one and that much of that one so that was very useful um but yeah, so I got my just got my times from that filmdev.org. Uh, it's about ten minutes, so it's a decent length of time in there. But um, no, it came out quite nicely. I mean, I'm mm. I, I'm sure that they need you know more effort on getting better results from it. But as a sort of quick and dirty first go with it, mm. it worked pretty well. Well, um, I was impressed. I have to say. Yeah, very you know, much. So, so you know, I like the pictures. Yeah, you know, I'm impressed that you you found something that's given you all of that energy as well to go out and do stuff. And I know sometimes you have to wait for the stars to align, and you had a good day off and family to shoot and stuff like that. So, uh, but it's uh, it's great to it's great to to hear about it and to you know and to to see the results as well. I look forward to the color slide film. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say yeah. So, uh, what's next, Graham? Well, I mean, I've got a lot of this foam with practice with, but I have got, when I bought Ronald, he did come with some old Delta and some colour film, not colour slide, but I have got some old, you know, well expired, but nonetheless expired portrait. So once I've got a bit more confidence up with that, I'm definitely going to be shooting that portrait. (laughs) I'm very excited about that. in, In terms of getting that developed, are you going to develop that yourself as well? Oh, hells yeah, yeah. Because you've got your um, C41 kit, haven't you, anyway? So, yeah. N- not at the moment, but I will be getting another okay. C41 kit, definitely. And, um, you know, and it's just as easy to do as the black and white, you know, apart mm-hmm. from the, the temperature stuff, but even that's not that big a deal. Um, 
so yeah definitely and the one thing from uh, i was talking to you guys about this before because the, the one big bugbear that i've had in the past with, when i've done the limited amount of four by five stuff has been scanning them in mm-hmm. and this morning i was just in the real rush like i i'm not faffing around with trying to scan them in, line them up stitch them together all of that just so i can get those off because i wanted to share them with my mum and so i just grabbed my old ipad oh not ipad um, old android tablet stuck that on with a light thing on there and just took a picture handheld mm-hmm. with my Fuji and uh, came out perfectly well enough. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, this is this is a better way of doing this. If I actually do this properly, you know, when Hamish, if he ever finally gets around to um, releasing the Pixelator, which I'm sure will be he very will. imminently. He will. he will. But I will I will buy one of those. Um, you were rec- talking to me before about getting um, a better light. What was it called? Light yeah. Light? Um, I've got like a light pad kind of thing, like a light sort of tablet, um, mm. which I got from Amazon, and I, I've just used that a lot really with um, with my Negs, um, especially in kind of conjunction with things like Film Lab app and that kind of stuff. So it's just a quick, easy way of putting putting them on top of it um and then being able to invert it and i think mine was about 15 16 quid or something it was it was um and that's um a4 size so totally fine for this um the other sort of little hack if you like that you could do in the interim before you get your pics later and what have you is you could always use a sheet of um tracing paper and pop that over your tablet um, mm. If you're using your tablet as like a plain white light source, um, just to uh, diffuse those pixels, so you don't actually see all the pixels that you end up getting normally on ones that aren't um, like a tracing light pad um, or um, animation kind of light pad. So uh, yeah, that would be just sort of like an extra little hack that can uh, that can be useful. There's the little light boxes that you can get like that. Um, look like cinema signs uh those are quite useful as well if you've got strips that's more for like strips of 35 mil um mm. though but but uh, quite handily it's got the little strip that it can sort of sit in so um so i often use that that as well as um uh, the light pads there's a few options there um but as as aid said i think they look great you know like for a very quick sort of just pop it on top of there and a quick snapshot and an inversion and then you've got it haven't you so um it's not I presume at the moment, like you're going to be blowing them up to, you know, a meter big. So uh, you'll probably be totally fine with that for sharing and and having a version that you could then print out. Um, What do you think you will do? Do you think that's what you'll aim to do? Um, the in terms of what you'll do with your your final pieces, um, archive the the negatives and print out um yeah i mean i need to get some i need, <laughs> need to get some film negative mm-hmm. uh, negative holders first and they're just shoved in an envelope which is less than yeah. ideal um but no i'm, I'm gonna um i think i, I want to do some contact prints from them nice um, yeah. that Lovely. that i think i i have don't think i've got any four by five paper at the moment. i think i've got five mm-hmm. by seven paper but, so, but i might use that but That'll as soon fine. as i can start doing mm-hmm. printing um that's a nice border as well then isn't it yeah exactly that's a good point so i i think that that will be the the, the main output source uh, and yeah so that's what i'm gonna do with that but yeah i think i think i've definitely used my scanner for the last time to try and do <laughs> four by five next because um yes mm-hmm. as you said the results are, are perfectly serviceable for anything that they would need to be done digitally mm-hmm. i'm not going to blame them up to massive so. so yeah anyway fun four by five adventures and um i'm looking forward to a lot more with all of this stuff 
Oh, I'm so pleased that you've got it. Yeah, it's me great. too. It sounds, I mean, it's great. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's fantastic, and it's uh, it, it's good to to know that you know we're. Uh, as as host of of a global leading film photography podcast, we're pushing ourselves. At least one of us is, anyway. <laughs> well, you say that, eh? but you've been out with cameras this week, haven't you? Uh, I've done a bit. Mm. I've done a bit. Yeah, I um, I've got well, as I sit, you know, for for once in my life, I've got uh, more film cameras than I have digital cameras on the desk in front of me. <laughs> Woo! you know so i'm pushing i'm trying i am trying actually i am trying to push myself not not quite in the, in the same way of experimenting with new things more like getting back to old things to be honest but mm-hmm. um it, yeah get, get trying to trying to build up so, some energy and uh and momentum is the important thing <laughs> energy is easy it's, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually getting that energy to go somewhere that's the important bit mm-hmm. uh but yeah i've been out shooting with holgers i've got uh a, a couple loaded up at the moment haven't finished a role in each of those yet but started um i I'm going to uh, I'm going to announce this now actually because then that will give you time to get over it Graham. Um <laughs> Uh, but uh, I am formally hereby announcing a change in camera again for my entries to the Cheap Shots Challenge. Uh, I will gladly accept it if it brings you both more enjoyment for taking part and also a more reliability for taking part. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for being gracious about it. So just to be clear, I have not broken my 110 camera. Um, although, of course, that was not my original Cheap Shots Challenge camera. That was a, uh, I, I had a previous 110 camera that I did break, uh, uh, or that broke on me, I should say. Um, so, but I think, you know, uh, I, I, I think for me, Holgers are going to be, are going to be the way forward right now for Cheap Shots Challenge. So, so, uh, they, they, they fit the profile. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did, but I did buy them new some years ago. I bought them for, I don't know how much they were each, about thirty dollars at the time. I don't, uh, and uh, so so they're definitely there, uh, definitely within the uh, the kit budget limit <laughs> guideline. Yeah, whatever, whatever yeah. it whatever it is, um, and not all of us, uh, I have to say, Graham, were uh, as wise and thoughtful as you were in purchasing your original Cheap Shots camera. <laughs> I know we've laughed at you long and hard and hard and long, <laughs> and shielded our eyes from the sheer, and shielded our eyes from the sheer ugliness of your camera for Cheap Shots Challenge. Um, but it is lasting the course, isn't it? It is lasting the course. Out of spite, if nothing else, I think it's lasting the course at this point. And there have been numerous times like, um, oh, maybe if I just dropped it, <laughs> accidentally dropped it, but um, no, it keeps going. Ugh. Aww. Well, you know, if you if you want to change, it's okay. The the whole, do you know what? In thinking uh, and thinking, really not so hard about this, but in thinking through the philosophy behind Cheap Shots Challenge, it's about just doing something new and fun, and and not yeah. caring so much about the results. Although, having said that, the quality of the last couple of rounds, the submissions we've received, uh, are showing us hosts up somewhat. I feel, but <laughs> maybe yeah, not yeah. Rage. maybe not Rage, but me and Graham are being shown up. <laughs> so uh yeah as you say it's about the fun though isn't it and it's about that um community of people all taking part and having a go and and just trying a few things out so uh, i think that sounds like a, yes. a grand idea so that's that's my justification and i'm sticking to it okay <laughs> have you been did you gather them together did I gather them together? You got no. two Holgers and no, do any stereoscopic. I, I oh, haven't. Damn. I haven't done that yet. No, no, that's uh, that's that's not something I've I've 
Uh, it's not something I gave a lot of thought to either, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Graham, I interrupted you. Go on, what were you saying? No, I was going to say, so you said you've been out with them. I mean, have you been out? I, mean, I know you tend towards people, shooting people and family anyway, but what have you been shooting with them the last week or so, Aid? Uh, that's a, a good question. Um, it is mostly been people, um, uh, and and as such, mostly been uh, family. I did take her, I, I did take it uh, one of them for a, a walk. Um, uh, you know, again, just with some family, um, uh, and and shot some shots there. I guess um, I didn't write any notes down, so it'll be a surprise when it comes back. But I'd be, <laughs> but uh, but it'll it'll be it'll be that sort of thing. Yeah, it'll be. A, do you know what it sounds? It sounds lame, it, partly to say it, but it'd be my usual sort of thing. It'd be pictures of people in their environment, which is the thing that that often I I am drawn to, as as we all know, um, far more than other kinds of things. Um, yeah, re- rarely have I seen a landscape that uh, that that wouldn't have been improved by putting a person in it. But. <laughs> <laughs> and i borrowed that i've borrowed that phrase from somewhere i'm sure there is a uh i'm sure i read somewhere many many years ago that uh, uh that a wedding photographer who said something on the lines of never yet seen a landscape that wouldn't be improved by putting a bride in it <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think those are both perfectly fair and valid approaches to things it's uh yeah i i like seeing people in stuff so um and there's definitely a trend of having somebody in a a uh, red walking coat looking wistfully off into the distance in most landscapes these days I've seen that are popular so well the, the, this is the, well the, the, this is an, an Instagram type thing isn't it so you have to be a bit wary you know is it like is that you know uh, I'm going to try and take instead of doing the Instagram thing of, of taking photos of people's backs and why do they do that um, I probably will try uh, and take pictures of people's faces that's got to be a nicer thing to do hasn't it that does seem like a better plan. I'll, I'll be honest, that does seem like a much better plan. How was it getting... Because it's been, God, I reckon a couple of years since you last played with your Holgers. What was it like getting them out again after all this time? Uh, a mixture of fun and trepidation. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you've developed, when you use these things, right, you develop... Uh, I don't know, not so much a muscle memory because th- there's very few controls on a whole mm-hmm. on a whole to require development of a muscle memory. Well, but, like a process. Yeah. Like, yes. Thanks, Rach. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That sort of thing, definitely. Um, uh, where you you just sort of you you develop so, some kind of uh, of semi automatic <laughs> yeah procedure or yeah. process where you just you just know without having to think too hard how it is that you're going to get a mm. shot out of this thing mm-hmm. and and so all of the all, all of the uh automatic nature of that for me wasn't there which was interesting so i found mm. myself going back to uh what was i in some ways first principles but in some ways trying to dig around and see okay well do i do i have i got any notes anywhere about how to use one of these things (laughs) and the answer to the notes thing is more or less no i don't because that's not (laughs) because i'm not that organized um but the going back to first principles so okay uh right i know i've got an aperture that might be somewhere between f8 and f16 (laughs) it's got i've got two choices (laughs) <laughs> and collect- collectively i've got two choices over about three stops although i don't really know where they are um and uh then i've got a a a known ish shutter speed i think of around a hundredth i can't oh, even, is it i can't even remember 
it's a hundred or hundred and twentieth or something like that, mm. but it, r- roughly speaking, roughly speaking. So I, I went with about a hundredth, I think, and I put all of those into a light meter app on my phone, mm-hmm. and nice. and that then led me to be able to understand should I pick up the one with the 160 ISO film in it or should I pick up the one with the 800 ISO film in it albeit the 800 is a bit expired um, so it may not be quite 800 anymore um, so at least I know yeah, which which camera to pick up right um, and and roughly whether I should put it on cloudy or sunny or or, or wing it and and I did take the shot the other day <laughs> on bulb, right? Hand handheld bulb, handheld hand bulb, aiming for about half a second, you know, click click, right? But who knows how that will come out? But those, some of those things, you know, in the in the world of serendipitous film shooting, um, some of those shots where you yeah uh, can actually come out, especially if you've got a film that's got a lot of um uh, a lot of uh latitude i know that's an unscientific word but yeah so, some films that have uh far more flexibility in the way that you expose them actually you can do that sort of thing and even though you might be three stops overexposed you'll get something useful and interesting out of it or you know and it's that so it, it can mm. be done it can be done i've had one or two lucky accidents in the past on that sort of thing so yeah it was good getting back to it i had to do it i had to do a bit of working it out tried not to fall into the trap of worrying about that thing because of course the point of these cameras is or one of the points of these cameras is just to to point and shoot without worrying about it so i was trying what did i do i was trying to i knew i was going out so i went into my back garden i tested the light picked up the right camera and just went right it's either sunny or cloudy in it <laughs> right? and went with it from there um so we'll see uh yeah that and and try to get back into the spirit of the thing that that was one of the things that i'd lost is i uh, is the confidence to just go with the flow of it yeah uh why, come why back. do you think that is do you think that's because you like because in the interim period you've been doing much more methodical photography do you think that's why you just got a bit less confident about winging it because when you went out to croatia with that camera you came back with stunning shots from that and that that, i think is the last time i remember you using your whole go and you you came back with just really lovely shots um well thank you and then um, I think you're right. That might have been the last time, and that was nearly three years ago now. That was the summer of 2016. I went out to Croatia. Gosh. And uh, the uh, and you know yes, at that point I was shooting you know um, re- really quite freely, you know, uh, confidently and freely with it. There were no mental blockers to get over to help me fire the shutter you know it 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 was you know okay there's the shot right i'm just going to go take that shot now um and um there's a there's a few bits and bobs right around that that are are a bit different so i mean we we joke occasionally about having a british podcast called sunny 16 right (laughs) when really it should be sunny 11 or something (laughs) yeah because you the the amount of light we get here right is not always the same as you get in other countries right um uh, and that's not just when it's cloudy sometimes it can be like that when it's sunny as well and you know so it's you know in the mediterranean you know on the uh it, off the coast of croatia there was a lot of light 
right it was in you know it was all day every day there wasn't a cloud in the sky most days you know so yeah there there was plenty of light to play with so i i never needed to worry about it being underexposed um and i just lent on the film you know and just said okay you know these are modern emulsions you know they're good for two stops of overexposure so whilst uh, you know the paperwork will say I've only got three EVs to choose from, I don't really need to care. I'll just go with the whole sunny versus cloudy thing. And if I think it's really sunny, I'll put it on the sunny one and that I'll shoot at whatever the, the one is that's somewhere between F11 and F16. I, I think it's supposed to be F11, but I don't think it is. I think it's closer to 16. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, if it was, if it was uh, getting on the day, you know, I just switch on to, to cloudy um, uh, and shoot with a little bit more of an aperture um, and, and it worked fine. Um, so yeah, um, uh, for anybody that's lacking in confidence, you know, trying to, trying to build up from what I've just experienced going back to it, I'd say, uh, you know, use use a modern emulsion right um because then you know you've got a lot of leeway in the actual uh in, in the actual exposure um i would say um use uh use an app on your phone um just to judge it and then i would say um try not to get caught in the in the loop of of worrying about it so so try and use the light meter uh figure out a, a setup and then put the light meter away right even if it's a phone and it's in your pocket and yes if the light drastically changes obviously yeah you can go back to it but try not to use that every time because mm -hmm. it slows you down you miss the shot you annoy people if you're trying to take pictures of people um and you know what it's not a lot of fun having to check every mm. shot on your phone before you go and take a shot <laughs> With with that kind of camera, I think you can get away with that, and with that kind of approach, definitely. And and like you say, you kind of almost don't want to be drawn out of the moment. If you've finally got yourself into a flow, then it can be really um, useful to just kind of just shoot with it. And it also just helps you start to judge it and learn by eye, you know, as to what what your lighting conditions are and what you would need to put into the camera, you know, um, to, uh, to make it work. So I think that's, that's a really good tip actually, eh? like as a, do it as a starting point and then don't feel like you have to rely just on that. Start to rely also on your, your own eyes and your own experience and practice and what have you. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never on a personal level, I've never gotten to the point where I can go out in the morning and look at the sky and go, aha, I know what that exposure is. Um, I had no idea. <laughs> so, but that, so, so, but you know, that, yeah, I guess the, the, the checking it once is my time. kind of, yeah. you know, checking yeah. it once is my kind of coping mechanism. And if yeah. I can stick with that and then, and you know, and then go with it and, and you know, it's, it, it, I, I get this to, to an extent I get this with, with any camera I haven't picked up uh, for a long time even ones that I know are, are really have really good meters in them and stuff and that I know that I can rely on there's always a little bit of yeah, a little bit of oh what if what if something's changed in the camera since I last used it you know, uh, and it's not working quite how I'd expect it to it's not quite so reliable but you know uh, very very little of what i take is uh it is i was gonna say it's important it's not quite the right word very little what very little what I, of what i take with the world end 
if those photos were lost right and so that there, there, there's another helpful thing it's like really consider when you're considering the risk of losing the photos consider what actually you know what is the bad thing that might happen if you lost the photos and i'm betting that unless you're a professional photographer nine times out of ten the bad thing that's going to happen is absolutely nothing at all <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. speaking and, of somebody and if it, who loses uh, a lot of photos, yep. And and if it is right, you're probably using the wrong camera. <laughs> go go and pick up your bulletproof 35 mil camera. You know, not your plastic toy thing. Um, if you haven't got the confidence, you know, and and so you know that that's the other thing. I mean, I've taken quite a lot of photos in the last decade and a bit since I really started getting into photography. You know, I have hard drives with tens of thousands of these things on them. Right. Um, uh, and if I miss one tomorrow, is it the end of the world? No, it isn't. It really isn't. You know, um, uh, so, you know, I try and let that be a, a guiding point for me as well. Yeah, I think that's such good advice because um, I, I, know, I know this isn't true for everybody. So this is you know a slightly blanket statement, but um, there is cheap film out there. Um, we talked earlier about Fomapan being very cheap and there are other cheap emotions out there and though we can't get hold of Poundland film anymore but th there are reasonably priced options um, and for a lot of people shooting I, you know, I see pictures of films full of fridge films full of fridge fridges <laughs> full of film uh, quite frequently um, and so like we, we could be out shooting more and worrying less mm -hmm. uh, and I, I know it's uh, uh, it's easier if you're developing at home because then that brings that cost down significantly. If you're sending stuff away to be developed, it, it is more expensive. But um, even so, I do think that being less precious and less worried to just take the shots. Uh, I mean, and, you know, this probably does come down to the fact that I, I am absolutely notorious for being incredibly slow at getting through any film whatsoever. This is why sheet film is marvellous for me because... I can develop it once I've taken one picture. Uh, that that's an absolute win for me. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I do think that just being less precious about trying to make every shot the perfect shot, then there needs to be a balance somewhere in there. Because if, if you are doing that, then you're just you're not getting enough shooting practice done. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, and I know you know, you obviously for you, Rach, mm. a lot of the time when you're shooting film. It is for work, and that's a different yes. thing then. But yes, absolutely, yeah. Um, and you you just approach it in a different, in a slightly different way. You you have certain sort of like systems in place to make sure that you're as much as possible. Obviously, not going to be messing up those shots, but it's um, but that's a very different thing from going out and shooting for pleasure or for practice or what have you. And and absolutely, I'd you know you know me i'm all about experiment try it out have a have a go um see what works and see what doesn't and and just sort of learn from that as you go and try not to be too precious about it i think is uh it's an ongoing struggle of course you know it's not something that we can instantly switch off and go oh yes yeah, totally fine i don't care at all because um that's not what we're saying it's just about um 
not sweating the small stuff really you know it's it doesn't matter like aid said you know if, if you miss one or two or even you know five shots on a roll um but if you've learned something from that you know and you if you know what's gone wrong or why that's not quite come out as you'd wanted then that can only be a good thing i think and and um yeah we've got such a fantastic um range of films and emotions and different things that we can try now and um just really talking about obviously we haven't got the um pound shop one really any, anymore but you know people like cosmo photo brought out their 120 that's just been launched and things you know and that's like four pound 50 a roll or something so you know same as for their 35 mil i think and uh, so you know that's not it's not a huge investment you you're probably still likely to get one or two shots out of that that you really enjoy and i guess that's the thing with film isn't it it's it's um getting that quality over quantity so if you can practice uh, enough and and just get out there and shoot and try things then you're going to um you know it's not like you have to print every single photo um but if you're able to get you know those couple that you really love then surely that's worth it i think I think so. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Well, I tell you what, that's probably a good segue, actually, Rach, because I've been talking for a little bit now. So uh, <laughs> I think it's over, <laughs> over to you because you've been doing an awful lot recently as well. So what, what have you been up to? I was just about to say, I've not been doing very much recently. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, that's not what the show notes said. <laughs> well, I suppose, I suppose. I was, I was like, I haven't really been doing anything. And then I wrote in the show notes. OK, so... Um, all right. Well, I'll, I'll look at the uh, the notes of what I've written. So the first one was editing um, my vintage circus photos project. So this was a commercial project, actually. Um, the I was hired to go and cover. Um, somebody was having basically a circus tent. Um, uh, and uh, they wanted a vintage photographer to go along and, and shoot with analog and, and what have you. So they hired me to go and do that. Um, and I, it was it was amazing experience. It was great to go and do that. It was um, really interesting, obviously challenging. Um, but I was busy just sort of like editing those photos from that. So that's what I've been up to recently. Sent those over. They seem very happy with them. Can you tell us what editing analog photos means in in a client situation what, what what is it that you're actually doing with them i'm uh, to be honest trying not to do too much with them i don't um i would always much rather be out there shooting and spending my time on on shooting than in the editing side um so really it's um a case of just a few little tweaks so it's obviously it's scanning them uh so once i've processed them it's uh, a lot of the time it's um scanning because i i hand process um, myself right yeah. um so i'm not sending them off to a lab um so then it's then it's the um the fun of the scan scanning it all in and making sure you've got you know um your um your files uh correct and then um and then yeah like i say i try and keep it quite a light touch with my editing um just perhaps bringing you know bringing up a little bit of shadow if i need to or taking down a little bit of highlights if i need to um but not not really a lot um but it's just perhaps a slightly different crop on on an image or working out them which order they should appear in or how i want the final gallery to display that kind of thing so um so yeah so quite a light touch with the um actual editing itself it's the scanning that takes the time um and uh, and then uh, creating a digital online password protected gallery for the client uh, which i upload them to and then send off the link once i've got that all um like i say 
as as I wanted, you know, depending on which theme it is or what have you. Um, and then uh, and then sending that off. So that was a project that I was doing recently. So I'm glad that that's sort of like finished and out the door and and the theme. Like I say, touch wood. It's always a really nerve wracking moment with that moment when you press send. <laughs> off it goes. Ah. <laughs> yeah. um, and wait to, wait to see what they say um, coming back coming back to you. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, uh, it was really nice, actually. It's um, it, it was interesting uh, to see which, because obviously I was shooting, you know, both outside and inside a circus tent, you know, from um, in bright, lovely daylight to all the way into the night, you know. So um, I I think I shot maybe like two or three rolls at four, yeah, two or three rolls at four hundred. Um, this was at HP five, um, and then a couple of rolls at I think, or maybe one roll at 800 and then another roll at like 1600, just obviously as it got darker um, and things and uh, shot a bit of foam pan, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, it was an, a good challenge and a, a, a nice project to do. So, um, yeah, there were some that I was like, oh, I'm glad that one came out, you know, and others I was like, ah the shutter speed maybe was a little bit slow on that so i've missed a little bit on that but you know over the over the course of shooting you know five rolls of film it's kind of okay i still came out i think with like 85 images for them so that's cool um, yeah, yeah good. thanks um so there was that and then i had a call from um uh the artist agency who i do quite a lot of work um with um a, a lot of the sort of commercial projects that i that i've done you know like the the birmingham one and some of the workshops and things um for an agency called dot art and they asked me to go and have a little look over some darkroom kit because there was somebody um who lived in liverpool but was moving to canada uh, in like two days time so uh, she uh, she wanted me to go and have a little look um at this equipment that was kind of um going up for sale sort of thing so uh, that was that was an interesting um on the on the street you know uh, at the back of a van you know it's like here we go we've got like um six different enlargers and just like boxes of trays and processing tanks and all sorts of stuff um and then the uh, the traffic warden comes over it's like yeah <laughs> we were like hang on we're, we're trying to, we're trying to get these bits and pieces out of the back of the van so um but yeah um managed to um get hold of a couple of couple of enlargers for them so there's they've got a th- they all hopefully have now a 35 mil and a medium format um, enlarger uh, to use and like a set of tanks and a set of trays and you know all the things that we that we use for that so hopefully they'll be looking at setting up a small dark room um in uh, in liverpool uh, relatively soon uh, but it, obviously it depends on when i'm going to get a chance to go back and actually you know put the lenses in and get the enlarger set up and and plugged in and things so so yeah so exciting stuff that would be really nice technical consultancy there then that job i guess so i guess so (laughs) unpaid (laughs) it was like oh my god just uh, yeah just uh just some help unfortunately the the first um uh the first phone part of the phone call was like um she said she could do it like right now (laughs) or i was obviously in the middle of a (laughs) a project so i couldn't do it um and uh, a lot of uh, the other uh, people around the area who uh, I would I would have entrusted to go and do it were obviously unfortunately all in work so um, so that didn't quite happen but never mind managed to get there in the end which is nice so yeah and the other part of what I've been up to has been emptying my own dark room because it needs a, a bit of updating I just want to uh, do a kind of a real 
um, brutal kind of clear out and edit down of what I've got, all of the stuff that I've accumulated. Um, I'd say probably in the last three or four years of of living in this in this house. So um, I'm just sort of emptying that room at the moment. So there is currently just a very small path between the door and getting to sit at my desk where I currently am recording <laughs> um, uh, through tottering piles of, you know, my chemical bottles and <laughs> uh, or packs of paper and everything else that I use for um So how, uh, how for does doing... that work for it? Because again, so we've talked a bit about this, but for me recently, haven't we? And it's, it's, it's quite trendy at the moment to have a clear out. But mm. how does it work when you're a business? Because some of those things are assets and you know you're not yes. going to use them every day. No. But but they're business assets. And so so do you yeah. have a do you have a different set of rules? I could, again this is goes back to the thing, it's like me missing a photo. If I miss a mm. if I miss a photo, so what? Right? But yeah. uh, if I throw something away and I think, Oh, I actually uh, I, I could have done with that today, uh, well, okay, yeah. the, it's not the end of the world. But how does it look like from a business owner's point of view? Um oh you see, I'm I'm also very conscious of the fact that I'm really really bad at throwing things away you know um, <laughs> I am definitely a hoarder um I although I try not to be it's just it's just something that's it's the way I am um and I attach stupid sentimental value to things that really probably shouldn't have um so I find it very t- very tough actually and I started this process maybe a week and a half ago now um so yeah it's uh, it's a long slow and um painful process um again be, as you say aid really because there are a lot of you know um as well as knowing that i am a hoarder on the other hand there i can't really throw everything out because i will need it i might not need it today i might not need it next week or next month but i probably will need it at some point um so i think really my main um aim with this is to get more of a sense of what's in my itinerary um just so i can actually make a list of everything and know exactly what's there because you know these things it's like oh uh, somebody's you know just sort of donated this or or picked that up in the charity shop and maybe it's one that i've not yet tested or what have you so it's given me a chance more to look at those sorts of things as well um and yeah really my aim is to kind of um get it into two distinct piles ones i use all the time um whether that's cameras or equipment or dark room or whatever uh parts of it and then one that's um a pile that is either to be tested or basically to to be donated or you know wherever back again sort of thing um so that's my plan there's going to be probably a section of the um of that second pile which might have to go in the attic i guess you know as a slightly longer term storage i not using at this point um but would still want to hang on to you know um so yeah that i think is my general plan um, okay, it, that sounds like yeah. a, that sounds like a good plan. It just sounds really tricky because, especially seeing yeah. as as you said yourself a few minutes ago, part of the nature of your work is that it's experimental and trying yes. stuff out. Yeah. You know, and so so how do <laughs> how how do you have a clear down if actually what you're sitting in is the middle of a lab, right? Yeah, it, it that that sounds really tricky. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's it, oh god, it's always the way, isn't it? You go. Do you know what? I've had this for two years. I've not used it. Like I've, I've kept hold of it because I thought at some point I might need to use it for this particular thing. Um, and 
and then you go, do you know what? I've had it for sitting there for two years and I've still not done anything with it. Just chuck it, you know, or recycle it or whatever. Um, and then it will be sod law, as they say, won't it? Like two weeks later, um, there'll be a particular project that comes up um, or somebody will ask you, oh, how about this? And you're like, damn, that was exactly what I needed for it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an ongoing battle aid. I don't really have any <laughs> definitive solutions. <laughs> um, I'm just... I am trying to be a bit more conscious of it. Um, well, I'll and, tell you what, we uh, won't stress you out anymore by asking no, no, more right. tricky questions about that's it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough, but yeah. Um, I will keep you updated. We'll see how I get on. Uh, I also want to get things, you know, just sort of generally kind of clear it up a little bit, um, get the older, you know, things that don't really make a, a difference, but you know, would be nice to to change sort of like the old wallpaper off and, and that kind of thing instead. Um, I think, you know, Graham's inspired me a lot with him getting his his dark shed set up because uh, obviously I use the dark room and use it for, for obviously myself, but also for running uh, workshops and things. And it just felt like a good time to um, have a have a rethink, have a reassess over it and and uh, and see what what should I should keep or not keep going forward, really. Okay. I think... W- one yeah. of the things that makes it a bit easier in some ways to kind of force your brain to be organized with a darkroom space is that it's more like a kitchen than anything else because mm-hmm. it's a functioning workspace, yes. except it's a kitchen that you have to be able to function and work in, yes. in the total <laughs> darkness. Yes. And so yeah. you can't just have um, stuff, stuff yeah. and, you, and you have to, I mean, my, so my darkroom is now, it's fully lined out. It has achieved Brilliant. the status of being dark when i yes. close everything off it's like oh this is mad dark now to the point where I like, <laughs> come in look and close the door and put the dark curtain down and after like two minutes like you need to let me out of here now this is starting to freak me out a bit I'm like, oh, uh, oh it's getting she was feeling a bit uh, oppressive you know yeah, yeah. it yeah. might just yeah. have been me being too close who knows but something was upsetting <laughs> her greatly um but yeah i i um i got it all lined out and then i've sort of had to hunt for gaps and i, I think at this point i haven't been in there during the bright midday sun because mm-hmm. i've not had the time to but it does seem to be be pretty bloody dark in there mm-hmm. certainly at least as dark as my old dark room is but um but now but, uh, I've, i need to i'm not sure okay i've got some questions for you guys uh at the moment it's all just lined out with um plywood should i paint it should i not paint it what do you think to paint or not to paint not painting is definitely easier so that's in the plus column mm-hmm. um uh, i don't mind how it looks but what do you think should i make it look nice i i, I think that that sounds to me like a nice to have right mm-hmm. So, so for some reason, I'm now reminded of being on the the Classic Lenses podcast and asking Simon why he likes to go out at night and shoot telephoto shots handheld. (laughs) 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 It's 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 a night. I think you're in nice to have territory, right? I'm sure there are other things that you could work it work in it and functionally improve it, and uh, and and then the decorating will will sort itself out. It will come to if you're in doubt about whether or not it's the top of the priority list, it probably isn't. Yeah, yeah. I think I might just ignore that for the time being. I mean, I know. I think one of the reasons people, one, just to finish it, obviously make it look all nice. Um, but I think even if I did paint it, it probably would be slightly harlequin because it would be like, what, what paint have we got left over from before? Well, it's going to be a different colour on every wall. But then also, the it bounces the light then don't... Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, which can be a good thing in a way in that, you know, if you've got um, your red light and you want it to stretch further, you know, you can use that to reflect it and give you a bigger scope in terms of your red light. Um, There's that option. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, If it was going to be Harlequin kind of hodgepodge anyway, I'd say maybe leave it. I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah. That's easier choice. Um, so now, now I just need to sort of get. Uh, well, I need the electrics in there. That's the one thing that it's missing at the moment. Ah, and yeah. I have been using it because obviously now that it is a dark room, it is already great. I mean, that's fantastic because I meant I could go in and load up my dark slides, um, my film holders for the four by five, and uh, and unload them all of that, which would have been a real pain in the neck if I'd been using mm. a dark bag. I really don't like using dark bags, but yeah. it's great having that. I don't have a table in there at the moment because ah. the table I've been using for. <laughs> years um both for podcasting and then latterly in my old dark room um it's that thick is it melanine melamine mellow yes. mellow whatever um even though it's about an inch it just sagged it just bowed in the middle it's like okay well that's no good anymore mm. so um i just need i think i'm gonna buy a door and put that on some legs i think that'll be fine um but what i have found is that it gets quite warm in there when it's really hot and sunny um mm-hmm. and you're getting a fridge uh, yes you have a fridge got, do you I, well, I've got a fridge freezer which I'm going to put in there, um, okay. which will be quite handy. Should I put my chemicals in there as well? I would. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, um, obviously, if you've got like powder, you know, you don't need to put that in there. No. Um, but if you've got something that is made up um, and that you know that you're going, you know, that might be there for a over a week or two, you know, then I would say, yeah, probably pop that in as well yeah. um yeah if especially if you know that it's going to get warm um yeah you said should i put my chemicals in there as well what is the fil- what is the fridge for if it's not for putting the chemicals in the film uh, well, the film and of course booze uh, <laughs> all okay. the things you need in in a, in a dark room yeah no no, no that's, that's okay so yes not not just a dark room. no i was just it's curious because uh i suppose yes if you've got a fridge you can put your film in the dark room fridge you don't need to put them in the kitchen fridge do you like i do but um just one thought um is that is the the fridge freezer not going to make it even hotter in there yeah dude, this was exactly a concern i had i mean i suppose it's going to make it hotter for me but if the film's inside it, then the film won't care. But yeah, how much does a fr- I mean, do they raise the temperature? Because I've insulated it pretty well. I've done a real good job of insulating it. And at the moment, it doesn't have an extractor fan because, as I said, the electrician hasn't been around yet. It will have an extractor fan, but that won't really cool it down much, will it? It'll just stop me from suffocating well, to death. Yeah, uh, we'll take the poisonous gas out and <laughs> so, so so one of the things you can do uh, and this this happened to me a few years ago we have a little chest freezer in the garage and i kept and I, I was going in there and it was working real overtime i was like what's happened what's happened what's happened and it turned out it had been shifted a bit closer to the wall and it mm. couldn't get rid of the excess heat from the cooling yes. system on the back of it so i mean i, I suspect there's ways you can optimize the situation you know by by making sure that it can circuit that there is air that can circulate around it but yeah i mean i don't know how with with a normal domestic fridge i don't know how you would you would get rid of the heat 
Hmm. Oh, well, I'll investigate that. I mean, it's I think it's a case of moving it in, seeing how it behaves. And if it does get too warm, it can go back into the bit of the garage that's still left. And yeah. um, it's just a bit of a faff getting stuff in and out there. But, yeah, it's it's just sort of figuring out that Tetris puzzle now of where's everything going to fit and where's it going to go and yeah. and not having too much stuff in there. Mm-hmm. I, I want to. So I've um, as Rach has been bombarded with, as I said before, I have been doing quite a lot of science times lately. This is, I, mean, <laughs> I feel no sympathy for Rachel because she got me into this, therefore it's her problem. Um, and, um, if you remember rightly, I was the one who tried to stop you disappearing down this rabbit hole to a certain yeah. extent. <laughs> yeah, you failed. <laughs> Made no difference. Um, <laughs> um, quite spectacularly, it would seem. Yeah. Um, but yeah. in a lovely way. It's been really lovely seeing all the awesome stuff that you've been creating. I'm really, I'm dead proud of you, Graham. It's been oh, really well, thank lovely. thank you, Rach. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm very much at the sort of stage of um, rapid iteration to get all my learning and mistakes mm-hmm. and all of that done early. So uh, I don't think I mentioned it in the show, but um, uh, Toby Vandervelde, I think mm-hmm. he gave all of us one, didn't he? He gave us these lovely little yeah. um, bound um, homemade sort of notebooks. That, yeah, uh, indeed, yeah. He made them um, for us himself. Yeah, mm. and they're really lovely. Oh, this is really nice. I don't know what I'll do with it, but it's it's very nice. Anyway, I then had an idea. Like, I think, I yeah, know. I think it was for the Instax Minis, actually. That was the oh. size, yeah. That's what he yes. told me, yes. Yeah. So yeah. It's, oh. Yeah. oh, that seems like a good idea. I wish yeah. I'd thought of that. Well, that's anyway, right. I had, You've still got some pages, right? Yeah, yeah. I've got half of them. Um, I had a slightly less practical idea of going, well, I'm just going to turn this into a mini cyanotype book. <laughs> so um, I coated... Uh, half of the sheets in it um with cyanotype chemicals and then so well, i was going to take this out to work and just use it as kind of like a little cyanotype notebook um there are a I'm few sure type would approve of that i suspect would, you are, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there, there were some sort of inherent problems with the fact that like okay obviously i have to be really careful how i do it because if i forget to put a blocking sheet in between one sheet and another the light's going through the paper yeah. as well as yeah. so there was that and obviously chemicals are transferring and when i'm trying to wash off one and not so there's and not there's, the others yeah yeah, yeah so there's been all of that but um i've been trying the last couple of weeks to, to try and get because i'm mostly just using garden materials as my um mm-hmm things at the moment because that's what's available and i really want to try and get somewhere the leaf detail was coming through and a bit more rather than just the sort of very much um, monochrome blue and white get something in between and i was really struggling with that even when i was leaving them out either in the sun or under the lamp for bloody ages mm. um i'd see a bit of detail on the print and then i'd wash it and it would all go and um and I finally realised that the bag of citric acid that they sent with all of this stuff mm-hmm. might have had a reason. So I got online and, and did some Googling. And, and um, I, I, I know if I asked Rachel, you would have always just told me this straight away. But um, <laughs> because I think we talked about the citric acid, you said, oh, I don't tend to bother with that. But mm. you live in We've, a soft water yes, area. <laughs> exactly. It's a different. Yeah. And, and actually, I hadn't really thought your water's going to be different. <laughs> of course, it'll yeah. be different. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Well, live and learn. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just hadn't thought about it. But yeah, um, alkaline is a problem for cyanotypes. It, it blasts away all the shadow detail. Um, so you've been using the powder that came in the packet, in the package, yes. haven't you, um, now? Yeah, and that definitely seems to be making a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's another chemical which I definitely should be more careful with than I probably should because I think it's citric acid. Although, it's, I mean, it, it has all sorts of handling yeah. warnings with it, but it's yeah. fine. I try yeah. and remember what teaspoon I've used and not put that in the sugar bowl afterwards. But um, and I've nearly got around to getting some gloves to do all this sanitizer stuff with, but at the moment I'm just washing my hands. They're not blue yet. 
Um, although hmm. quite a lot of the tea towels and other fixtures and fittings. Everything <laughs> else is, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so actually um, the risk to your health is from Sinead then, is it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's about where we're at. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely made a difference using the citric acid. And what I'm going to do, not just for the cyanotypes, but also for my um, just general developing, because you, uh, I may have mentioned before, I have a bit of a problem with my negatives being filthy and dirty and horrible after I've done them. And again, I think this is largely down to the fact that I have, I'm in a hard water area, so get a lot of residue on it. So you can buy from Amazon, because of course, for like £13, a 25 litre bottle of deionized water. So I think I'm going to do that, um, because then that will be much better for doing the cyanotypes. It'll be much better for developing um, and rinsing in particular at the end um, and should really help with that. So mm. um, yeah, keep yeah, posted how you get on with that. That sounds big, uh, it'll be interesting. Big bottle of water. Um, and I just need to figure out somewhere sensibly getting the water out of that. <laughs> just even knocking it over in the dark. In the dark, uh, yes. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> in your you brand new stick it up shed. somewhere high oh, and shed. use a siphon tube. That, that, like a hamster oh, cage. That's a good idea. Yeah, siphon tube. I didn't even thought I... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'll put a little dropper on the bottom. Yeah, oh, man. Right. Oh, that, I like this. We one. are full of good ideas today, yeah. I think. Okay, but cool. Yeah, yeah that's, you, that's, that's you fun. need to do cyanotype king aid. You really do. Cyanotypes are so much fun. It sounds like something I need to set aside eight months of my life to get into. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're super quick and, and simple. I um, sent two off two of my kits off this week my analog adventure kits uh, it's nice no, cool. good stuff uh, yeah. good stuff all right so we we've been talking for ages and we probably should wrap up the show but we haven't covered half mm. the stuff today that um that we uh thought we might do so um we should probably have a quick whip round about other fun stuff to to cover quickly i guess yes there's a big one coming up next weekend which is worldwide pinhole photography day which is happening on the 28th of april this year so i don't know if you guys have plans for that or what you've got you know in mind um it would be really nice to hear back from some of our listeners as well if they've got anything planned particularly you can go to pinholeday.org um, and enter details of any events or anything that you're um, taking part in or if you want to just look for other things that somebody else is running and maybe want to uh, join them on that so you could always do that uh, so yeah worldwide pinhole photography day is on the 28th of april this year that sounds like sounds like fun uh okay i'm gonna be putting up sam's solar cam for mine yeah oh, okay all right that time too yes i i uh i that's another thing i haven't quite gotten around to to sorting out properly yet is is the the solar cans that i need to to, to put up although i have to say i bought some of them as as gifts um uh, I, I yeah they're going to be uh good, good gifts for for family members uh but as, and for as graham's well as... birthday in two weeks right oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's graham uh, no i think i i don't think graham um would, would uh like the sort of the, the pre-packaged version you prefer to make your own don't you graham with a, a, <laughs> yeah, with exactly. a teaspoon not enough room for error <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, are you going to get your reality so subtle out for this pinhole day aid, or you know, you know, not just pinhole day, but get some shots on and uh, 
use yours because that, that also hasn't seen much action lately mm. that's a beautiful camera that isn't it as well lovely stuff it, it, from it is ones. it is i so uh it, it is a lovely uh machine it really is but and it give it gives you options because it's it's got two pinholes in it a lower one and a, and a, and a higher one and uh so, so that gives you some options of how to use it um I, it's uh uh, it's it, uh, a, a knack. There's a knack to loading it, um, <laughs> which I'm sure I could practice again. Um, but do you know what? It, it is a great piece of kit, and it is a joy to use. Um, for me, the, the the pinhole stuff is more what I would say experimental and experiential, mm. rather than it is something that's a core part of what I do. Yeah. Um, so uh, to be honest, uh, uh, I, I haven't got any plans precisely because I had no idea it was will pinhole tape coming up. <laughs> Well, now you do. That's so now I do. So, yeah. so yes, now I can, and uh, now I can go and figure out what I should be doing with it. But yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get. Maybe I'll get. I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll end up with a Graham situation where I have tons and tons of cameras, all with filming, and uh, <laughs> yeah. never any photos to show anybody. I, I my plan is because uh, again, um, very much on the four by five is great because you can develop after one shot. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be sort of trying to make. Uh, or use some of my made cameras that probably were paper in. I have got, so I got my record player for Christmas, which came in a sort of big record player size box. I reckon it's probably about the size of four eight by ten pieces of paper. So maybe you could kind of like sellotape those together, put a pin on the middle of that, and just try and make one yeah, massive pin on picture. So I might have a go at doing that because that sounds pretty stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah, God, do these things. Are you, are you going to try and make something rich for Pinhole Day? I've made ones out of like a coconut in the past. Yeah, all sorts of random stuff, actually. Um, you know what you could do that would be what? really novel and new for Pinhole Day this year? You could shoot that bloody camera of mine you've had for the last year. <laughs> do you know, that is a good idea. I will, <laughs> as you know from what we've just been talking about, I've currently emptied the dark room, so I have no idea where it is at the moment. <laughs> oh, really? Um, sure. But it's, it's in the pile somewhere it will be yeah uh, all right there we go i will i will seek it out specifically for that that sounds fun yay cool. it's a six by twelve yours isn't it graham yes i don't think the inserts are in it so i get yeah, it will be six by twelve it's the one with the it's the one with the big dunk in the middle of it where i dropped it when <laughs> it was on loan to me <laughs> we're yeah, terrible I'm, aren't we i'm not doing well with lending my camera out to my lovely <laughs> cars am i i'm just concerned that it's ended up not in the darkroom um pile but in the kindling wood pile at rachel <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah in the kitchen no i promise you it's not in there that's got the birdhouse and the carpet beater in there at the minute <laughs> I should do. Of course it does. <laughs> it does in Rachel's house. Right? Why, why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't, why it, wouldn't right? it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, Graham, any anything else to to bring up before we uh, before we uh, close the show? No, no. I'm just as I said, uh, super excited at the moment about doing loads more stuff with four by five, doing loads more stuff with cyanotypes, and just uh, having the, my dark shed. I just, although I would like it to cool down a bit now because it's really hot <laughs> in there. But um, yeah, as soon as I get some power in there, I'm going to be doing some printing. That's the next thing, and uh, yeah, it's all good. It's it's a nice place to be at the moment. Mm. 
The um, it's funny that you're um in the middle of doing lots of large format now. Obviously, it's something that you've always done, but it seems like this is um a good impetus to be doing more behind it. And I just this last week had um the large format photography podcast um Andrew Bartram and, and Simon Forster who who run that had asked me to go on as a guest. So uh, that was just released this week. So for those of you who obviously listened to Sunday Sixteen, you know me pretty well. So it probably will be you know cover quite a lot of the uh similar ground um but you know if uh if you're new to it uh, i would i would recommend you know you could have a little listen to especially their episode one which is large format um photography 101 that might be of interest to you if you're just getting into large format like graham um and mine's episode four yeah sounds great they two cracking guys simon yeah. and andrew very um, knowledgeable yeah yeah and you managed to get some words in edgewise, I would imagine, right? One or two, Just anyway. Just about, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I did, yeah. Uh, yeah, we um, went off topic somewhat, quite often. A I podcast say. that goes off topic. I, I know. Can't, I can't imagine <laughs> how that would happen. Can you imagine? <laughs> i had a lot of fun though it was really nice to chat to them so, uh, so that was lovely we were, t- we were discussing this the other day um sorry earlier weren't we um i i pop i went on the um negative positives one and now i've done the large format photography one and aid you've done classic i did lenses. classic lenses with simon <laughs> yeah and carl and johnny yeah which was, yeah. which was good fun and i i i I, I still feel a bit guilty about the way i wound them up but <laughs> only, only a little bit <laughs> And what about you, Graham? Which ones have you done? Uh, I, I've, uh, the only other podcast I've ever been on was um, slightly ruining, although I think we jointly ruined um, the negative positives ju- double exposure judging show, which I would not recommend anybody go and listen to because it was long <laughs> and painful. Um, so, yeah, just just be glad that I keep my awfulness to this one podcast read. <laughs> and backing paper, of course, we do that. Uh, well, exactly, yes. Yeah. Sorry. That's enough for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it. I think it really is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, what have I got to add to the rest of the show? Nothing. Uh, just, just a, I guess, a quick, quick, quick little story. I ended up shooting a, a whole pile of Instax the other day with my kids. That was good fun. Mm-hmm. Playing with coloured lights. Um, yeah. The, I, the, the, if anybody uh, struggles with their children um uh, to to let them take photographs as mine do because they're too old now and they don't like it i i try to get them involved uh mm-hmm. so i have a, a recent purchase of mine is a is a an led light that is that can be tuned to any color you like so i just simply let the kids say what color they wanted their photos to be and they had we had a great time um, nice. it, you know is um, this the light you got from the photography show aid or is this a different light uh, this is a different one, actually. This is one I bought. No, no, no. Pre- previously, diff- very, very different uh, types of light. So uh, the is it continuous the, light? Or yes, flashing? it is. So it's LED, yeah. and and okay. it's mm-hmm. it's called. Uh, I'm going to get the number wrong. It it's uh, a Yongnuo three sixty five sixty something like that LED light. Do you remember at Christmas I rented the Westcott Ice Light for fun and just which yes. is a it looks a bit like a lightsaber, right? And yeah. it, it puts out a diffused light. Well, one of the the fe- things about that is that I really loved it, um, uh, and uh, I loved using it. And another thing about it is it's damnably expensive, um, but happily the, there's a cheaper Chinese version that you can buy. 
um, from a company called Yongnuo, who actually uh, uh, close listeners to this show will know that I like Yongnuo stuff because all of my speed lights are Yongnuo. I have a drawer full of them, um, and they are very affordable and mm. uh, they, you know, in my experience, um, easily reliable enough to 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 uh, to take out and use. Um, and, and trust them. Uh, you know, even some professionals use them, so they're yeah, they're, they're reasonable quality stuff. Um, even though they are really very inexpensive, so I mm. bought the Yong Nuo. So given that I trust the brand, I bought the Yong Nuo version of uh, of this thing, um, and uh, it's been really really good. Um, I've really enjoyed it, um, and and it's okay. fun to use. So it's and no, which instax were you shooting um, with this one? Uh, square. I was shooting oh, my, my yes. Lomo Square Instax, um, which, again, it's one of these things, if you don't shoot them often enough, you kind of forget how to get mm-hmm. them to react. Mm-hmm. One of the things that really uh, confuses me enormously is the metering on these things. And do you know what? It's not that it's massively hard. It's just mm-hmm. that it's very different for me. So I tend to shoot SLRs, right? So, mm-hmm. And I tend to shoot cameras with meters in them. And what happens is the light comes in the front of the camera through the lens and it hits the lights, it hits the meter sensor and it gives you a reading, right? Mm -hmm. Dead easy. Except with Instax cameras, whoever's brand they are, if they have meters, they're not through the lens metering, are they? (laughs) So what I always forget is that I could be taking a picture of somebody standing in the shade but I've got full sunshine shining on my light meter. And I'm going to think, why is this coming out underexposed? <laughs> why is this coming? And of course, the camera's metering for the light that's falling on the camera, not the light that's being reflected off the subject into the camera. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. I always fall foul of stuff like that. Um, Challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it, definitely. It, it, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a mindset. It, 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 and you just got to, yeah, as you say, yeah, practice, 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 and, and get the 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 mental process sorted mm. out in your head so that you know how it's done um, maybe just make a few little basic notes as I, well i i have done that with the instax cameras yeah. actually i did um uh, now which which camera was it? i forget which camera it was um but it was one of one of the instax cameras i have i actually went through and made a i i, I deliberately chose to burn through a couple of packs of film and write notes mm-hmm. on them about how i'd done it and what the light was and what the exposure was only um you know not all, not all measured out because um no. but more you know Reference. okay it was bright yeah. sunny you know subjects was in the shade i was in the sun so i turned it to overexpose and that worked fine yeah, it's mm, that kind mm, of thing. Mm. It's how how it is that you get the settings right on the camera to give you a fighting chance. Those yeah. are the sorts of notes I find quite useful. Um, but uh, did you find? Uh, sorry, did you find that um, it responded better to some colours than to others? The film. Oh, that's a good question. That's a very interesting question. Um, so. I mean, we did use the full run of, of colours. I mean, we used yellow, green, purple, red, blue. The kids really went to town, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they did. They were having a great time. Well, they, they, they wanted to have photos taken with their Pokemon toys. So they were typically choosing a light colour for the particular Pokemon that they had at the time. Ah, um, nice. And yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, and that's... That's a really good question, Graham. Do you know what? I, I, I'm, I can't say one way or another because, for one thing, I, I wasn't testing for that. 
um uh, but for another thing um it's it's not always easy to prove that you've got consistent exposures from these cameras because there's no manual controls so yeah so i i, I wouldn't want to say one way or the other about the film and the way it reacts because you know it wasn't anywhere near this is this is instax with a lamography camera this is not a controlled environment <laughs> so yeah don't know but interesting yeah, it's possibly worth doing some testing on that isn't it I can't. Because you, you've messed around with using um, like gels and stuff on the, on lights before quite a bit, haven't you? I yeah, think. yeah, oh. yeah. So, do you, are you just getting a better quality of light using one where the the actual light itself is tuned to these things? Uh, okay. Well, so, so so if we break down quality of light, because there's possibly you know a couple a couple of answers to that. Um, first of all, I would say that the size of the source of the light, of course, is, is one of the things that makes a, a big difference to the quality of the light, uh, you know, the, the soft versus hard and all of that. Uh, and uh, so using this particular light, because it's like a sort of short lightsaber, it's actually, if you have it some close to people, it's sort of got, a, it's got diffusion built into the, uh, it is a, it is a cylinder about two feet long. Um, and because it's got diffusion built into that, then you, as long as you're fairly close, you get a reasonably soft light. So I'd say yes, that, because where I've done this with Instax cameras before, what I've been doing is um, putting gels over the flash that's built into the camera, <laughs> which is yeah. right, which is front on and, and a mm. bit brutal, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, you probably heard me mention before that I have a, a, a pet theory that some of the Instax cameras... Uh, yeah, the Fuji ones, the ones made, are made for the Japanese market, where perhaps people on average have darker skin, and and my pasty white family um, tend to be <laughs> quite quite easily overexposed. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so I, I've, I know I've mentioned that before in conversations. I can't remember whether I've said mm. it before on the show. Um, what with having done nearly 150 shows or whatever, and not even being able to remember what happened at the last one. Um, so I don't know. Uh, but uh, but certainly, you know, um, it, just simply having the light not attached to the camera and being able to have it, you know, off to the side and stuff like that gives you far more options um, uh, around how you control the light. So yeah, it's good. It's good fun. It's good fun. And what's the price difference like between the, that young Nuo, whatever it was you said, and the the other Western Supermare that you said? Uh, it's it's not quite the difference between a Pro Photo and a Godox, um, but it's not far off. Um, it's I think the the Wesker Ice Light is about five hundred quid. I think. Uh, and the young Nuo one was just over a hundred. I think. Yeah, I like the second number more. I'll be yeah. honest. And, and do you know what? Um, I I I think I think if I was using it uh, more seriously and not just for a hobby, I think the the build quality is better on the more expensive one. Um, you're likely to be able to whack it against stuff and it survive a few more times. Um, but you're going to be less likely to, but the, you know, be wanting to do that, aren't you, if it costs five times as much? Well, yeah, yes, there is. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, so maybe it will last even longer. <laughs> but, mm. but it's I, I think that I think I'd say that if, if you just want to experiment, there's absolutely no need to buy the more expensive mm -hmm. one if you if you're interested in, in trying these things out this is uh, a, an inexpensive way of getting something that 
can actually look quite nice. Yeah. Um, Accessible. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, and it looks like a lightsaber. <laughs> that is a pretty sweet reason in his own right just to get it. Yeah, and you can choose whether you be a bad guy or a good guy because you can choose the colour of the light in your lightsaber. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> so there All you right, go. chaps. Right, Shall we wrap up? I, I suspect we should. I suspect should. I am now lowering the quality of the conversation, aren't I? <laughs> That's my job. I don't know about that. But, uh... Okay, so right, let, let's, uh, let's, let's try and get out of here before I love it too much. So... Um, uh, quick recap, uh, it is Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day on the 28th of April, as we talked about earlier, so definitely we can, uh, you should all be getting involved with that, and you can, uh, the website is pinholeday.org. Uh, beyond that, uh, we are the Sunny 16 Podcast, uh, you can sunny, you can email us, sunny16podcast at gmail.com, uh, you can find us on our website, sunny16podcast.com, uh, and if you are feeling especially generous, um, and thank you to all of you who do um you could buy us a cup of coffee on coffee.com slash sunny 16 podcast um as ever we are very very grateful and we are saving up for some new recording devices and the ability to to do new stuff and make new content so if you do buy us a cup of coffee that's where that goes um we get very little actual coffee <laughs> but we are investing it all into the show so thank you very much for your generosity we will play you out now uh, with music by Rocha uh, Rachel's band uh, from their album Promises I Should Have Kept which is available as we say every week uh, on Amazon, Spotify or iTunes and if you haven't been there to listen to it you should have done and go now <laughs> please <laughs> There, there is more than just the outro to one particular song which is what we tend to use most often That's on this true. show there is way more than that to enjoy isn't there rach <laughs> there is yep there's a whole album there <clears throat> excellent cool well as always everybody it has been an honor and a privilege to talk to you we will be back next week goodbye goodbye Bye.